Hey guys, welcome to that Florida feeling. How is everybody this week? I hope it's been a good week. I know it's been a pretty good one for me. A little bit of rain, nice warm weather. I don't really think I have too many complaints. Um, thanks to everybody who interacted on the Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok pages. We finally hit a thousand followers on Instagram. Thank you guys. I appreciate that. Um, I'm glad to know that a lot of us prefer ice cream over gelato, custard, or Italian ice. And that most of us shop at um, Publix, Walmart, or Aldi. I definitely approve of the Aldi. (laughs) I love that you guys will interact. I love that you guys give me your opinions and write in what you think and the comments and everything. So thank you guys so much for just supporting the podcast. I wouldn't be here without you. I also just realized that I'm coming up on two years. Like, next episode. That is just insane to me that you guys still want to listen to me after two years. Um, Yeah, just thank you so much. I can't believe it. Today I want to talk about, um, you know, something that I I have a love-hate relationship with for Florida. Um, A lot of people, and myself included, would think that Miami is probably the most populated city in Florida, and many people like myself was actually surprised to hear that it was Jacksonville. Yes, the city at the very top of Florida that still gets all the seasons is home to the Jaguars and seems like a lot of the roads need construction. Yeah, that Jacksonville. Um, I have a love-hate relationship with Jacksonville. I'm not going to lie. I've lived there. And there are parts of it that are just fantastic. And there are other parts where I'm like, ooh, no. Um, But it's, it's Jacksonville, you know? I mean... It's in the northwest corner of Florida, and it's the most populous city in Florida, as well as the second largest city by area in the lower 48 states. And it is part of Florida, and it does give you some great Florida man stories, and it is part of that Florida feeling. Jacksonville's actually got a pretty extensive history, too, uh, which isn't surprising that it's only about an hour from the oldest city in the U.S. And, I mean, it's just, it's Jacksonville, you know. The area that Jacksonville calls home has been inhabited for many, many years before the Europeans came and tried to claim to the that humid swampland. The Timucuan tribe actually lived on the land long before the white settlers came. The Black Hammock Island holds evidence of this as they have discovered pottery that possibly dates back to 2500 BCE. And I mean, the area around Jacksonville was pretty easy to live on because you had the St. John's River that runs through it, the coast that's not far from it, the bluffs. The area was actually kind of perfect for fishing, farming, hunting. It, you know, it kind of had a little bit of everything. And you get all four seasons. So I I see why people wanted to call that area home. The Makama tribe, which is a subcoastal group of the Timkoa people, have been in the area since the 16th century. In fact, that's the first group that they think that the white settlers encountered. Um, They did have the first contact, and the tribe was part of a powerful chiefdom known as the, and I'm going to say this wrong, and I'm going to go ahead and apologize, Satariwa? S-A-T-U-R-I-W-A. Satariwa. I tried to look up how to say it, and I got four different pronunciations. Anyways, that tribe... Uh, It was actually around the mouth of the St. John's River. That's where they were located. Um, They were the largest chiefdom of the subgroup of the Timucua. And so it's not really surprising that they were really the first to have, you know, contact with the white settlers. Um, The French actually recorded one of their villages called Osage. I'm not going to say this right either. And I've looked, I looked up just 
side note, guys, I looked up all these pronunciations. Nobody can pronounce it, right? Nobody pronounces it the same. I don't even know if we know how we're supposed to pronounce it. But Osa Cheat. We're going to go with Osa Cheat. Um, O-S-S-A-C-H-I-T-E, because I want to say Osa Shit, but that's not right. I know that's not right. So that village, that village was the one that the French recorded. And that actual village is the site of what is now downtown Jacksonville. So all the stuff in downtown Jacksonville, that was built on an original, like, tr- uh, site from the Tim- one of the Timucua tribes. Um, so it's pretty, I mean, Jacksonville does have a lot of history, you know? And so they had the, the natives and then the, the settlers came. They didn't really settle anything per se until about 1562. And in 1562, that really brought a change for the area when the French Huguenot explorer Jean Ribault, I know this man's name, Jean Ribault, charted the St. John's River. Now, he called it the River of May because he discovered it in the month of May. Hence, you know, <coughs> excuse me, guys, the pollen's gotten to me this week. Um, I, I want to be an explorer and I want to find something on a Thursday and I'm going to call it Thursday because I found it on Thursday. You know, I, I love that that is their naming process a lot of times um, when they would find something like Florida is La Florida, flowers. So I just, I love it. Sorry. Rybalt, though, how, however, made claim to this land and he built a stone column at his landing site near the river's mouth and claimed this newly discovered land for France. Now, in 1564, René Goulain de Laudonnaire established the first European settlement on the St. John's River, which is Fort Caroline, and it was actually near that main village of the Satura, Saturi, that, the village of the, I don't know why this is giving me hard times, Satariwa, the Satariwa tribe, their main village, which is the downtown Jacksonville, like, so Fort Caroline was impressive, and the great thing for France was that, that it meant that they could settle in the new world. Um, they were going to have a new settlement. They were going to lay claim to this. The only problem was um, Spanish had kind of already claimed the area. King Philip II of Spain had already claimed the area, um, St. Augustine. And King Philip heard about France over there um, and gave orders to wipe them out. You know, uh, He told Pedro Menendez de Avilés, the founder of St. Augustine, that you need to go protect the interests of Spain. You need to go. So, since Avalese is the one that founded St. Augustine, you know, they had explored the area, and he was now being directed to attack Fort Caroline, which is about an hour north, to make sure that the French couldn't actually take any Spanish land. On September 20th, 15, uh, yeah, 1555, a Spanish force from St. Augustine attacked Fort Caroline, killing nearly all the French soldiers defending it. I said the wrong year. 1565, sorry. On September 20th, 1565, a Spanish force from St. Augustine attacked Fort Carolina and killed nearly all the French soldiers that were defending it. The problem was is that most of the soldiers that were um, at Fort Carolina were actually attempting to go and take over St. Augustine. So they had kind of left the fort minorly defended, like not even really defended. And it really just kind of gave the Spanish a good time to just come in and wipe them out. And after they wiped it out, they renamed it. They took it over and renamed it San Mateo. 
And when they took over Fort Carolina, it meant that the Spanish now had full control and that St. Augustine was now the true most important settlement in the New World, and France had no hold on it. Spanish did keep control of the whole area until it was seceded to the British in 1763 as part of the Treaty of Paris in the aftermath of the Seven Years' War on French and Indian War to the Americans. Um, so Seven Years' War, if, you're, if you've studied it in other parts, it's a French-Indian War if you were like me and went to an American school. Um, the British took over St. Augustine and they constructed the King's Road, which, connects, which connected to St. Augustine all the way into Georgia. Fun fact, part of that is still today U.S. Highway 1, US 1 and Phillips Highway. So that part of that still does exist, but it was called the King's Road. And the King's Road actually crossed the St. John's River at a narrow point called Cal Ford. Fun fact, they got the name Cal Ford because that was the smallest point where they used to ford the cows across the river. Again, great naming methods here. So as the British came to the area, they helped the area to grow and they introduced things like sugarcane, indigo, and fruits. They also did cotton, tobacco, and citrus, and they created plantations out of this. And as they did, they started to grow with the economy. They also began to export lumber from the area. And a large number of British colonists were actually given land grants in the area to come to the region to find fortune, to escape the colonies, to escape Britain. Either way, they just really wanted help settling the area. <coughs> Excuse me, guys. The colonists were the first English-speaking population to control Florida. The colonists first came from England, then Georgia, South Carolina, and even Bermuda. They also introduced the common law system in Florida, which meant that Florida had county-based government. They also used trial by jury as well as a habeas corpus in dealing with legal matters. Fun fact for the day, habeas corpus literally translates into bring the corpse. Sorry. Um, I studied law at one point. The British controlled the area until 1783 after they lost the American Revolutionary War and returned control back to Spain via the Treaty of Paris. The settlements had established, especially at Cal Ford, continued to grow even under Spanish rule. Um, the Spanish eventually gave up the Florida Territory to the, U to the newly formed United States in 1821, and the American settlers immediately began to form a plan. They were going to form a new town. They were going to make this a nice area to live. They were going to use the economy. They were going to grow, and it was going to become a thing. And they named it after the celebrated war hero and first territorial governor, Governor Andrew Jackson, hence the name Jacksonville. The town charter was written by Isaiah D. Hart and was approved by Florida Legislative Council on February 9th, 1832. Jacksonville was officially a town. Jacksonville and Duval County sent several men to the Confederate side of the war during the Civil War. The Jacksonville Light Infantry was created in 1859 as a militia and sent in to fight when the war started. Another militia was created in 1861 and it was the Duval County Cowboys. Cow and Boys has a space in it. Great names. Both units were actually part of the 3rd Florida Infantry. Jacksonville was actually a critical supply point for the Confederate forces in the Civil War. Florida didn't see a lot of battles in the Civil War, but they did see the ability to help the South. Um, cattle and hogs were shipped out of Florida to feed the forces. They were sent north. The city was at one point blockaded by Union forces because they had gained control of nearby Fort Clinch on Amelia Island. However, the city never actually saw a battle. Um, 
They did see the city change control a few times between Union and Confederate forces. There were some battles that were fought near the city, but none actually in Jacksonville. Now, of course, Jacksonville survived the war, and during the Reconstruction era and the Gilded Age of America, the city saw changes in how it was viewed. The city soon became a place where the rich could come to escape the cold winters of the north, so the snowbirds are coming. It's like winter is coming. Sorry. Um, and, of course, visitors were arrived by steamboats and later railroads. President Grover Cleveland even attended the tri- subtropical exposition in the city in 1888 when he came to Florida. The president's visit actually helped the city and state become a, top, a popular tourist destination. People began to see that Florida was the place to go and get away from the cold or to go to the sunny beaches. Or it's really the beginning of the tourism era for Florida. Now, of course, Jacksonville did have a few setbacks uh, throughout its history. Um, they did have a yellow fever epidemic, but that didn't stop people for long. It just paused them for a couple of years. The Florida East Coast Railway started and continued to expand. That brought people to Jacksonville and then further south all the way into Florida. And Jacksonville became home to many wealthy people escaping the cold. They also became a home to Old Soldiers, which is an old soldier's home, which was a retirement nursing home hospital to veterans that needed care during that time. Um, it's actually a really cool thing I read about it. They didn't. There's not a lot of details on it, um, but what I read is basically especially after like the Civil War, a lot of uh, soldiers would come and they would retire here if they didn't have family or if they needed medical care, they could be in the nursing home part or the hospital to recover. And it was really just a place for veterans to go to get care during whatever stage of their life they were in. So I thought that was really cool. Now, of course, the 1900s were supposed to bring new things into Jacksonville, and it did bring a change into town um, until May of 1901. A fire swept through Jacksonville. The fire started as a kitchen fire and quickly spread. And, of course, you have to remember that a lot of things weren't made of brick then. They were still made of wood and sometimes straw. And so the fire just spread out of control. And it fueled even further when it spread to a mattress factory that contained the Spanish moss for stuffing. The fire lasted eight hours and swept through 146 city blocks, destroying over 2,000 buildings. It killed seven people and it left over 10,000 people homeless. It was a horrible fire. The city only had a few things left standing after the fire, including the Confederate monument in Hemming Park. The fire sent the city into martial law and the state militia was helped to restore the peace. People didn't know what to do. They didn't know where to go. The fire was said to be so bad and so hot that you could see the glow a few hours away in Savannah and the plumes could be seen in Raleigh, North Carolina. The Great Fire of 1901, as it was dubbed, was one of the worst disasters in Florida history and one of the largest urban fires in southeastern U.S. That record still stands to this day. The city, however, bounced back. It was going to rebuild, and it was going to be rebuilt even better. The city was reconstructed with the help of architect Henry John Cutho. The first multi-story building he built was the Dial Up Church building in 1902. Um, The St. James building, however, was his crowning achievement in reconstruction of the city. You can still see that building today. As the 1900s progressed, 1910 brought about a different type of tourism in the city. Northern film studios began to eye Jacksonville due to its warm climate, exotic landscapes, railway access, and cheap labor. Over time, more than 30 silent film studios were established in the city within over a decade, and it even gave Jacksonville the title of the winter film capital of the world. Can you imagine that? Jacksonville could have been Hollywood. And it would have been. The boom did last until Hollywood took over as the major film production center. I guess 
they didn't say why it really left. I'm assuming probably hurricanes and tourists and, you know, Florida man's been running around for a long time. But it's really strange to think that the film capital, quote unquote Hollywood, could have literally been Jacksonville, Florida. And you can actually still see some of this history. Norman Studios remains in the Arlington area of Jacksonville and has been converted into the Jacksonville Silent Film Museum at Norman Studios. It's kind of a cool piece of history. Now, of course, Jacksonville brought in other things. It became a hub for banking and insurance companies. Barnett Bank, Atlantic National Bank, Florida National Bank, Prudential, Gulf Life, and other businesses began to move to the business district of the town. The Walker Business of College even opened. It opened in 1916 in Jacksonville, thanks to this industry shift. And this college was actually advertised as the largest African-American business school in the U.S. So Jacksonville was moving up in the world. They were attracting different types of people in different types of communities. And it continued to grow. Jacksonville was also the home of three naval bases during World War II. And the U.S. Navy became a major employer during this era. The U.S. Marine Corps also established... Blunt Island Command, and the town had a large urban expansion after World War II because of all the people that had moved into town to work for the Navy, those were stationed there, and while this expansion was good, it also brought about some interesting consequences. Um, The construction of federal highways meant that the suburbs were cut down, and the wealthier were tired of dealing with, so they were actually moving into the suburbs and out of the city. The town of Jacksonville decided that after war, they were going to have to figure out how to revamp their town, so they were going to increase spending to fund new public building projects in the post-war economy boom that came to the city, right? They had all this boom from all this economy and all these factories and all these people, and they were going to improve the city. They built a new city hall, a civic auditorium, a public library, and other projects that brought about a sense of pride for their city. The development led to an even larger boom of the suburbs. People had to have a place to live. The city couldn't hold them all, so they spread out. And of course, as this boom happened, it also led to change in job locations and poverty levels in the city. The change in location of people in the city also led to some problems because that meant funding wasn't going to where it used to. It would go elsewhere. Funding for education, sanitation, traffic control in the city became a problem because everybody was leaving the city for the suburbs, which meant that taxes that used to be brought in for the city were going down. The residents in the unincorporated suburbs felt that because they were having trouble getting municipal services, such as sewage and building code enforcement, that this was a problem. 1958 was the year that changed everything in Jacksonville. Jacksonville started to annex outlying communities to create larger tax bases to get improvement to the whole county, not just Jacksonville proper. The city, though, continued to see changes as time marched on. The civil rights movement in the 1960s saw a crowd beat with clubs as police stood by. The school systems were shown to be in poor conditioning when planning to integrate. And a fire at the Roosevelt Hotel killed 22 people in 1963. The town was still dealing with a lot of stuff. They were going through changes kind of faster than the city could handle it. Of course, in Florida, though, you're going to get dealt with blows from hurricanes. Hurricane Dora made landfall near St. Augustine and caused major damage to the city. Hurricane Dora was the first recorded hurricane to make fall landfall in North Florida. The 1960s continued to bring issues such as corruption scandals within the city officials and county officials. The Southern Association of Colleges and Schools were threatening to withdraw accreditation. And all this created 
a momentum to change the town. They needed to make it better. They needed to make people want to come back. They needed to make people have a reason to even be there anymore. So the change that they called for was a consolidated government. They wanted lower taxes, increased opportunity for developments in economic and social changes, unification of community, better public spending, and effective administration to run all of these new changes. A consolidation referendum was held in 1967, and it won by a 65% approval rating. The city and the county merged governments on October 1st, 1968, and they created Consolidated City of Jacksonville. Fire, police, health and welfare, recreation, public works, housing and urban development were all combined in this new government where anybody and everybody who needed the help and or services was going to be able to get it. Jacksonville was changing, and for the better. The new government brought about changes for the city. It brought about good ones. Environmental regulations were brought about as a River City Renaissance program in the early 1990s. The city was given $235 million bond in 1993 to fund urban renewal and give life to the city's historic downtown neighborhoods. The city purchased and refurbished the St. James Building, which is now their city hall. They also became the newest city to get an NFL team in 1993 when the Jacksonville Jaguars came to town. Jacksonville was growing yet again. They had a good idea of Jacksonville's future that allowed for new roads and improvement to the current infrastructure to help it continue to grow. And they were working on environmental preservation and economic development, improving public facilities, and the town even got to host the Super Bowl in 2005. Of course, the city has continued to improve and grow through the tough times. Hurricane Matthew caused some major damage to Jacksonville and its neighboring beaches. The town also saw damage from Hurricane Irma in 2017 with record-breaking floods. The city has continued to grow into suburban areas, and downtown has continued to grow and change for the better. The city is home to over 500 different kinds of neighborhoods, and its downtown area and surrounding neighborhoods. Jacksonville is one of those places that really does have something for everybody. The weather is actually really nice. You do actually get the chance to enjoy all four seasons. You'll have cold days in the winter, warm and fall summers, hot and humid winters. It's really kind of a mixed bag, but... You'd be surprised. A lot of times when we were living in Jacksonville, we would still have to wear our winter coats and our boots. And then we would get those nice spring days. And then we'd get those really hot summer days. Um, Granted, the cold days aren't that many in the spring temps. Usually come earlier than the rest of the South. But it's really not that bad. The area really isn't like South Florida, where you get winter for three days and maybe in January and February, if you're lucky. But in Jacksonville, you can own that entire wardrobe. You can still wear your cute boots and your Uggs and your jackets, you know, and the town still gets the typical afternoon summer showers and has beautiful weather, not to mention absolutely beautiful beaches. Jack's Beach is probably one of my favorites, not to mention that it kind of butts up to Atlantic and Neptune beaches. Um, Shout out to, um, oh, I think it's an Atlantic beach, Um, Post Tavern. It's an entire tavern just to Edgar Allan Poe. They have hamburgers. They're all named after his short stories or his uh, poems. And, I mean, it was just such a cool experience. It's got such a gothic look to it. And I just, if you're in, if you're near Jacksonville or Atlanta Beach, definitely go check out Post Tavern. I love it. Um, I recommend, oh, I think I got the Annabelle Lee. And it was delicious, you guys. So, Jacksonville has some really cool niche places, hole-in-the-walls, breweries, definitely a lot of great places to check out um, if that's kind of your scene. Of course, they have the Jaguars um, that you can check out. And 
I mean, the, one cool thing about Jacksonville is, is that they have a really cool, unique park system. Um, the city of Jacksonville has parks operated by the National Park Service, Florida State Parks, and City of Jack's Parks and Rec. No, I don't think Leslie Nope works there. I'm sorry. <laughs> they operate the largest urban park system in the U.S. with facilities and services of over 337 locations. I said Jacksonville was a big city, y'all. I didn't expect to hear that they had 337 parks, but they do. And the parks offer different amenities and recreational activities depending on what you want to do. Do you want to go walk a trail? There's something for you. Do you want to go have a playground for your kiddos? There's something for you. Are you looking to go spot alligators? Well, maybe you just look in your backyard. You know, it's Florida. <laughs> and of course, they do have national parks. Um, the National Park Service uh, operates over the U.S. National Preserve, which is 46,000 acres that includes wetlands and waterways. They operate over the historical areas such as Fort Caroline National Memorial, which I think is really cool. They rebuilt Fort Caroline to what they think the specifications would have been back in the 1500s. And it was a really cool place to go visit. And it's got some beautiful views. So I recommend checking that out. They also have the Kingsley Plantation, which is one of the oldest standing plantations in the state. Another one really cool to check out. I definitely recommend it. Um, you can also go to several state parks within the city limits, like Big Talbot Island, Little Talbot Island, Yellow Bluff Fort Historic State Park, and George Crady Bridge Fishing Pier, which is one of the few fishing piers that the state of Florida actually runs. Um, Big, Big Talbot Island State Park is beautiful. Um, one of the coolest state parks I've ever been to. I definitely recommend checking it out. It's not a far drive from downtown Jacksonville. Um, it's, yeah, I, I have to say that's one of my favorite uh, state parks. Now, of course, the city parks and rec have their own little state, their city parks. Um, the Friendship Fountain is one of them, and it's a large fountain in the St. John's River Park near the South Bank Riverwalk. It's, actually, I love this fountain. I have pictures of it. I'll post it when I post this on Instagram. The fountain was at one time the world's largest and tallest fountains when it opened in 1965, and it's kind of become a landmark in Jacksonville. Hannah Park is another beautiful city park that has the heart of Government Center in downtown. The Jesse Ball Dewpoint Park is a seven-acre park that is home to the Treaty Oak, the place where the Native Americans and the Spanish created their peace accords. Um, that's another cool park with an amazing piece of uh, Florida history that you get to see and visit. This massive tree where these, these two groups came together. I mean, Jacksonville really is cool. It's really got such a, it's, it's got a lot of things. Um, it's a large city that's got kind of a place for everyone. Uh, they do kind of divide the city into four quadrants, so, you know, you can live in one of those. I am partial to the Mandarin area myself. That's the part I usually lived in and hung out in. Um, living in Jacksonville, you can see beaches, rivers, lakes, and experience all the weather in Florida. The motto for the city is where Florida begins, it's easier here. I I agree with that. You know, I lived in Jacksonville, in Jacksonville for a little over a year, um, St. Augustine passed that, and... I do. I have a love-hate relationship with Jacksonville. Um, I can re recommend the city to anyone who wants to move into Florida without moving to South Florida. It's got all the amenities. It's got all the beaches. It's got Florida Man. It's got rivers, outdoor activities. You know, pretty much anything and everything you could want. Um, you can be a tourist. They have a really cool scene on the Riverwalk. Some really cool little places to eat. But, you know, then there's this side of Jacksonville you don't want to go to. Um... You know, if you've ever heard of the Cat Williams stand-up about, like, Eureka Gardens. And, you know, just just be aware if you're going to Jacksonville that there's probably some places you don't want to go. 
or you shouldn't go during certain times. You know, I will say shout out to Jacksonville. They do have a water burger and a Bojangles. And I'm okay with all those. <laughs> but, you know, it, it really is that I want to live in Florida, but I still want my, my fall weather. And, you know, I don't want to be in South Florida where it's always hot and humid. Then Jacksonville's probably that city for you. You know, they have the football team. You know, concerts come and go all the time there. They always have something to do. Something's happening downtown. St. Augustine's an hour away. Savannah's an hour and a half north. You know, I, you know, Jacksonville's kind of that really cool Florida city that kind of feels like Florida, but may not quite feel like Florida, but you're still going to find Florida man there, that kind of city. And of course, today's Florida man is going to come to us from Jacksonville because I couldn't pass it up. And I'm specifically talking Jack's Beach. A homeless man claiming to be an agent of God was caught carrying a rattlesnake on Jack's beach. The snake was said to be six to eight feet long. They didn't say if the man was injured from the snake, but they did take the snake and return it to its normal environment. Um, I do, however, hope that man got some help. And I'm glad that the snake got returned to its normal environment. (laughs) So Jacksonville's just that kind of city for everybody, you know? You'll never know what you're going to see. It's always fun. Um... I didn't really talk about the beaches. Uh, Jack's Beach, Neptune Beach, uh, Ponte Vedra, they're all beautiful. And they're all for another episode because Jacksonville, with its long history and its uniqueness and, you know, its different climates and weathers, it really was its own episode. So I will address the beaches and all their fantasticness later. Uh, That'll be another podcast episode. Thank you for listening to this one. Um, Don't forget to check out the social sites. Post those memes and stories on Facebook. I love it. Check out the latest TikTok videos to see what I'm doing in Florida. Tell me what you're doing in your part of Florida. Or just say hi. I love talking to you guys. I can't believe it's almost two years. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I will have a fun episode next week for two years. I still can't believe it. Don't forget to wear sunscreen. Drink your water. Uh, Avoid the pollen if you can. Because as you can tell, it's getting me. Be nice to one another, guys, and as always, that's your daily dose of sunshine.